For today's message, I need to give you a quick disclaimer. Today's message is going to have four main transitions, and all of those transitions are going to be tied together with one bottom line thought. It's something that I call the BLT. Anybody like BLTs? Yeah, so you know, if you like a BLT, it's not a BLT if you don't have the bacon, lettuce, and tomato in there. And if you just have two of them, it's not a BLT. So you need the BLT to make it the, the, the meal that you want to enjoy. So for us on Sundays, we work hard to create a bottom line thought. And the bottom line thought is that thing that summarizes the message and helps us chew on the message all week long. So what I hope happens is as you leave today, or as you leave any of our messages, throughout the week, you'll come back and you'll, you'll think, what did that bald guy talk about on Sunday? And then you'll remember, oh yeah, the bottom line thought. And you'll chew on the bottom line thought and how that bottom line thought can help all of us take steps in our relationship with God. So today's bottom line thought has two versions. There's a longer version and a shorter version. I'll give you the longer version first. So the longer version is this. The direction that we travel in life determines the destination we end up at. So the direction we travel in life determines the destination we end up at. Now, most of us would say, no, duh right? Like, really? Like, that's the bottom line thought? Like, we all get that, right? We know that we can't go out here to I-95 in, living in Flagler County and head north and end up in Miami. We know that, right? Everybody knows that? Not everybody knows that because some of you are directionally challenged. You don't even know which way north is right now. Like, I've driven behind you. I know that. So we don't all know that. In general, we do know that. In general, we know this principle. Here's the, the shortened version of this principle. Direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. And even though we understand it generally, we do not always apply this truth to our lives. So we're gonna explore this truth and revisit this bottom line thought throughout today's service. Transition one. How many of you like heights? You don't mind heights, you don't mind being you know, high in an airplane, you don't mind being on the top of a skyscraper, all that. How many of you do not like heights. Hold your hand up high and proud. Okay, great. I'm part of that group. Um, sometimes when people meet me in our main audit, uh, our lobby after um, the service, they'll say, wow, on stage you look a whole lot taller. <laughs> so I'm not. Uh, I, I used to be 5'8", and I've been shrinking through the years, and so I'm about 5'7", now. And I think God made me short on purpose because uh, he wants me close to the ground. Me and the ground have a, a good relationship. I don't always love heights, but I didn't realize that I didn't love heights until about middle school. In middle school, uh, a group of friends of mine went with our youth group and we went to a water park in Orlando or used to be in Orlando called Wet n Wild. Anybody remember Wet n Wild? Okay, we've had some good memories at Wet n Wild. But back in those days, when I was in middle school, a new ride came out called Durstuka. Anybody know Durstuka? All right, a few of us know Durstuka. If you don't know Durstuka, I'll show you a picture of it. This is a picture of Durstuka. And um, we tried to find a picture that would really show how high and intimidating and scary this ride really is. I don't know that this one communicates it. Um, but uh, when I was in middle school, this, this ride looked like it was 
a hundred stories in the air, like up in the clouds, like way high in the clouds. And it's got this one water chute that you get to ride down and you get to the top, you go up this ramp and you get all the way up to the top. You sit down on this ramp, you know, your legs leaning over into nothingness and there's water flowing behind you and you lean back, you cross your arms and then you, you go down to your death. Well, at the bottom, it's not really, it's kind of like a coffin when you get down there though, because there's this runway, this water runway, and uh, there's about that much water in it. And you slide about a hundred feet and, and then, you know, the friction slows you down and you stop and you get up and hopefully you get up or, or not. So my friends and I were uh, wanting to ride this ride. We were so excited about this new ride. And so we went up. Uh, the ramp and made it all the way to the top. We were in the clouds. We were high-fiving the birds. It was exciting. I was at the back of my friend group. My first friend went, he sat down, he folded his arms, he leaned back and he was gone. My second friend did the same thing. He was gone. My third friend did the same thing. He was gone. The the lifeguard turned to me and said, next. And I said, nope. (laughs) And I stepped back out of the line. And the kid behind me said, it's your turn. You sure you, wanna, you don't want to go? I'm like, I'm sure I don't want to go. So I stepped off to the side and I was realizing I don't like this experience right now. This is way too high for me. Uh, I'm not liking it. And it created a dilemma for me. The dilemma was, should I step forward towards my certain death So here's what's going on in my mind at the time is, as I know, nobody's died today yet at this ride, but I will be the first one. I will be the one that gets caught by the gust of wind. And I'm in middle school, so I'm like, I weigh next to nothing. I'm going to get caught and I'll be thrown off and end up dead on the concrete next to the ride. And uh, I will be the one. So that's what I'm thinking. I go forward to my death or I go backwards. I step backwards and take the walk of shame. You know the walk of shame. On this ride, you're walking past all the people that are going up, that are excited for the ride, and you're walking down. And you don't have a smile on your face because you can't say, that was great. You're going down because you didn't do it. And I knew my friends would never let me live that down if I did the walk of shame. So I had a decision, forward or backwards. And after watching, I think, the 100th first grader go down the ride and then watch many repeat customers come through and like, oh, you're still here. Like, yeah, I'm still here. And I decided I've got to do this. I have to face my fear and step forward. So I stepped forward. I sat down. I crossed my arms. I prayed and said, Jesus, I'll see you in about three seconds. I leaned back and I went over the slide and the ride was really over in three seconds. I got to the bottom. I stood up and went, well, that wasn't all that bad. I found my friends and they said, where were you? Like we waited forever, where were you? And I said, there was this little first grader. He was scared to death up there and I just had to help him get down the ride. And then my friends and I went and we rode that ride the rest of the day and enjoyed that experience. So what that experience taught me is direction determines destination. All right, transition two. The Apostle John records the last few days of Jesus' life in the book of John. In John 13, he says that Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples and instituted communion that we are about to celebrate together today. 
He washed his disciples' feet. In John 14, Jesus explained that he is the only way to eternal life. There, there is no other way. There's only one way to eternal life, and that's through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus was very clear about that. In John 15, Jesus promised, get this, persecution for those who follow Jesus. If you've ever experienced persecution in your life as a Christ follower, Jesus promised that that would happen because we follow him. In John 16, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will empower us to live the lives that, that God desires us to, to live. In John 17, Jesus prayed for his followers to be one. He prayed for us to be unified. Don't you think our world needs unity today? Jesus was praying for that, for us as his followers. And then John 18, verse 1 says this. It says, after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Now we'll find out here in just a minute, this was a special place for Jesus, a place that he visited often with his disciples. So all of his disciples were very familiar with this place. This place is called the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane uh, is a word that comes from two Hebrew words put together, and it basically means place for pressing oil. It's a place that they would get olive oil from. And uh, getting olive oil had a, a two-part process for them. So what they would do in, in the first part of that process is they would take olives and dump them into a big stone basin. They would place a heavy millstone over those olives, and then they would turn that millstone, and it would crush those olives, and it would squeeze out the olive oil. And then once they were turned into pulp, they would take that pulp, they weren't finished, they would take it to another section where they would put it in an olive press. They would take large uh, stone slabs and place them on that pulp and squeeze the rest of the olive oil out. It's very significant that Jesus went to a place known for crushing right before his arrest and then crucifixion. Verse two says, Judas, the betrayer. This was one of his disciples who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, Lanterns and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Verse four says, Jesus fully realized all that was gonna happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Now, I wanna pause for a minute and think out loud together. So I'm gonna ask for you to participate out loud a little bit, and I would like for us to think out loud about what Jesus knew was gonna happen to him. From that moment, to the moment of his crucifixion. So feel free to participate out loud and let me know what, what you know in that context of what happened. What happened to Jesus? He was gonna be crushed, symbolically crushed. He was gonna be beaten, arrested. Crucified. Did I hear somebody say betrayed? Betrayed, denied, rejected. So he's going to be betrayed by one of his disciples. He's going to be unjustly arrested and put through six different illegal trials, falsely accused of things that he didn't do. He was going to be beaten and then whipped beyond recognition. Scripture says that after Jesus was whipped, he was not recognizable as a human being. 
Just let that sink in for a moment. Then he had a crown of thorns, not just placed on his head, but driven into his scalp. And these aren't thorns like maybe we would understand with like a blackberry bushes or something like that, even though those might be painful. These thorns are long and thick and sharp. I've been to Israel. I have pricked my finger with one of those thorns. And I got to tell you, they are sharp and they're painful. I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like to have that pierced into your scalp. He'd be nailed to a cross He'd take the sin of the world on his shoulders as if he committed all those sins, big sins, small sins, sins that we think, oh, I would never do that, but you know what, maybe that is a part of our lives. So he died for all sins, big and small. And then he died for people who either hate him or deserted him. So what would you do in that situation if you were in that spot If you knew that you were going to go through all that stuff, would you step forward or would you step backwards? Yeah, I personally would run. I would run the other direction. Like there's no way I would want to step into that. But Jesus stepped forward because he knew that direction determines destination. Jesus stepped towards the cross. John 18 tells us that he was arrested and he was put through several trials. John 19 tells us he was whipped, beaten, tortured, crucified. And then in John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head, released his spirit, and his life was over. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment what it must have been like for Jesus' disciples, like in that moment, like What were they thinking? What were they feeling? What was going on in their minds? They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They'd left their businesses. Some had left their families to go follow Jesus. And they were excited at first about the momentum they saw from Jesus. Here he is uh, doing miracles. He's feeding people miraculously. He's healing people. He raised a guy from the dead. I mean, he's the guy to know. He's the guy to follow in that day. And then uh, last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the people waving palm branches in front of him. And I can imagine the excitement in Jesus' disciples' heart in mind. They're thinking, like, like he is going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to bring us back to a place of being a world power. He's going to put us in positions of power in his kingdom. Like, this is exciting. But then Jesus stepped forward towards his death. He didn't run the other way so that they could live to fight another day. He didn't perform another miracle. He didn't call angels down from heaven to kill the guards that were trying to arrest him. He stepped forward like a lamb led to slaughter. Imagine how hopeless you would feel if you were one of Jesus' disciples. And imagine how tempted you would be to step back to the life that you knew before Jesus. But again, direction determines destination. Transition three. When all seemed hopeless, Matthew, another one of Jesus' disciples, said this happened. Matthew 28, verse one says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. 
Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. So come and see where his body was lying. He's not here. We're not hiding him behind the door. We're not hiding him behind a stone. He's not here. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb and listened to what they were feeling. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy as they ran and rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And Jesus' disciples did see him there. He showed up in Galilee. He revealed himself to over 500 people and and proved that he is indeed a risen savior. And again, if we're putting ourselves in the place of Jesus' disciples, imagine what they must have been feeling, that emotional roller coaster that they had been on. When all seemed hopeless, Jesus stepped towards the cross, throwing them into the greatest despair they had ever known. And then when everything seemed more hopeless, Jesus stepped out of the grave, giving them eternal life in Jesus' direction that he traveled in life. His stepping out of the grave radically changed his disciples' lives. From that moment on, they lived with passion and purpose and stepped forward to tell everyone how to have a real relationship with God because they knew the direction determines destination. Transition four. Right before heading back to heaven, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he told them this. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's what that means for us. Since Jesus stepped towards the cross, that gave him the authority and the power to step out of the grave. And because Jesus stepped out of the grave, that means eternal life is available to all of us. And the amazing thing about the direction of Jesus' life is that it can determine the destination of our lives for all of eternity. But for that to happen, we have to put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have to change the direction of our lives and we have to put our faith in him and follow him because, again, direction determines destination. Another thing that means is that when we put our faith in Jesus, we can step towards any obstacle that's standing in our way because Jesus promised to be with us always. So I don't know what obstacle 
right now is standing between you and the life that God has for you, or that you are the, the life that you envision yourself living. Maybe there's a health issue going on in your life right now or in the life of somebody that you love, and you don't have answers for it. You're not sure what, uh, what you're doing. You're not sure what the doctor should be doing. You just feel kind of stuck. Maybe you've lost somebody that you love. Maybe someone's passed away here recently. And you're not sure how you can muster up the strength to step forward and keep living life without that person in your life. Maybe you're running from your past. Your past is catching up to you. Maybe you've got uh, an issue with one of your children. You're not sure how to navigate with them. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe you're so afraid of the future, you're paralyzed in the present. Maybe there's an addiction in your life that you feel its tentacles always clinging towards you, trying to pull you back into the life that you don't want to be a part of. Maybe there's some faith issues between you and the life that God has for you. Maybe you've got some big questions. You have some big objections. You've got some big issues, some doubts that you have that, that you think, Man, maybe I can't have the faith that other people have because I've got these things that stand in my way. I don't know what's standing in your way, but you have a choice today. You can step back. Stay stuck like I was stuck on top of that water ride under Stuka. Or you can step forward with the one God who has stepped out of the grave, defeating the curse of sin and death that we brought into the world. It's your choice, forward or backwards. But direction determines destination. On your seat is a card that I'd love for you to grab for a moment. There should be several cards around there. If you need to share with someone, you can. There should be some pins there as well. I encourage you to take a look at that. There's three options on that card that I'm going to walk us through today. The first box is this. The first option is, says this. Today, I'm stepping forward towards God by putting my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. For some of you, that's the box you need to check today. For some of you, maybe you've realized for the first time or you finally got to this spot where, where you know, like, I've reached a critical decision in my life. I need to step forward in this relationship with Jesus based upon what he has done for me, that he has died for you because of his love for you. And he paid the price. He was willing to step towards this crushing that he went through. Why? Because of his incredible love for you. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, because of the joy awaiting Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. So the joy awaiting Jesus beyond the cross was you. It was me. He couldn't imagine life without us. And so he said, I am willing to go through this crushing I am willing to step towards the cross because I love you. I'm for you. I want to create an opportunity for you to follow me in the direction of my life so that you can live forever with me. And if you're in that spot where you're recognizing that for the first time, I encourage you to signify that by checking that box. Now, let me explain that checking a box doesn't start a relationship with Jesus Christ. What does start a relationship with Jesus Christ is a conversation that you have with him. And at Epic, we try to make things as simple as possible. So we call uh, a, a prayer of salvation, we call that the ABC prayer of salvation. 
It involves admitting, believing, and asking Jesus to come into our lives. And so it goes like this. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I admit that you died for my sin, whether those sins are big or small. Jesus, I believe you are the savior of the world and you died for me. And I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I will follow you the rest of my life. Starting a relationship with the creator of the universe is that simple and yet that profound. And we follow that up by living in response to God's grace for us. So if you're in that spot, I encourage you during our communion time, you can do it right now, but you could also revisit that during our communion time and talk to God about starting a relationship with him. Second box says, today I am stepping forward towards God again after a season of stepping away from him. That's something that happens often in our lives where we commit to follow Jesus and at, at some point, something happens in our lives, something difficult, something challenging, some temptation comes along or something. All of a sudden we find ourselves heading in the wrong direction. We're not following Jesus anymore and we don't have to come back and get saved again but there are many moments that we do have to recommit our lives to following him and say, you know what? Like I've been heading in the wrong direction. I need a course correction. I need to start following Jesus again. The cool thing about our God is that he is gracious, full of compassion. He's always willing to welcome us back when we admit that we've been wrong and we come running back to him. He's a God of second chances, hundredth chances, thousandth chances. He wants us back. So maybe some of you are in that spot where you know you've been heading in the wrong direction and you need to turn back and head in his direction. The last box says, today I am stepping forward towards blank, knowing that God will help me face this. So again, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what it is in your life that's standing between you and the life that God has for you, but I would encourage you to write that thing down. Write it down, like whatever that is, that obstacle is, and I would encourage you to ask God to be with you as you face it. And here's the really cool thing about that is Jesus always has already promised to be with us. So if you're a Christ follower, Jesus has promised to be with you. He's promised to step with you. Guess, guess which direction Jesus always moves? Forward. He never steps backwards. So if there's something you need to face and step towards, Jesus will help empower you to do that so that you can step forward and beyond that thing. Maybe for some of you, the, the thing that you're stepping towards is a faith issue. Maybe you've got some big questions and maybe your determination is to get answers for your faith questions that you have. So again, I don't know um, what issues that you might need to write down there, but I encourage you to write those down. And then here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. I'm gonna encourage you to bring these up and leave them at our communion tables when you come up to celebrate communion. And if you would like us to know who you are, you can write your name on the back of these cards. If you don't want us to know who you are, there's no need for that. Um, if you wanna write a prayer request on the back of these cards, you can do that as well. And these cards are going to get to our elders and our prayer team. And we're gonna be praying for you specifically as you step forward towards whatever God wants to help you overcome in your life. Now, I'm going to explain how we do communion here, and then uh, we're going to celebrate that together. And here at Epic, we believe that communion should be open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you've done that today, if you've done that another part of your life, you are encouraged, you are invited to participate with us. 
And if you are watching from home, I encourage you, you may not have been prepared for communion today, but I encourage you to go to your kitchen and maybe get your communion elements together, get some bread, get some crackers, get some juice, just something to drink. And and let me explain to those uh, that are online as well as those on campus. There's there's sometimes that we get this idea that we can't celebrate communion unless we do it in some religiously official way. Like we've got to be at a a church, we've got to do that with a pastor or a priest. I don't see that in scripture. I I think we've got full freedom to do that personally at home in our lives, to do that with our family, do that with a small group, or to do that in a church context. So again, if if you're at home and you'd like to celebrate communion with us, I encourage you to get your communion elements ready while I explain how we do that here on campus. Now, for those on campus, we have eight stations for us to celebrate communion today. We have two up front, we have four in the back, and then we have two more over in our uh, overflow section. In just a minute, I'm going to read a passage out of 1 Corinthians, and then when I finish with that, uh, I'm going to pray. Our worship team is going to come and guide us in a closing song, and in that moment, you're going to be free during that song to get up from your seat and move to one of these communion stations to celebrate communion, and as you come up, drop off your card, and then pick up our communion elements. And uh, I've got two different versions of our communion elements that I need to explain to you today. And uh, if you're a regular person with us, you know the routine. So uh, you can check out for about 60 seconds and then check back in. Uh, If you're brand new with us, I need to explain this because it gets a little complicated, okay? We're trying to fix the complicated part so we don't have to be so complicated anymore. Most of you will probably take this uh, little container and it contains the wafer and the juice together. Uh, If you need a gluten-free option, then others of you will take this one. This is the simpler one that we're gonna be moving towards. This is the more complex one that I need to explain. There are two tops on this one. One is a very thin lid that reveals the wafer. If you don't find your wafer first, you probably will never come back and find your wafer um, because it gets stuck between the, the two lids, okay? So go for the thin, clear lid first, Take the wafer, which represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. And then take the thicker lid, and that will will reveal the juice, which represents Christ's blood, which was poured out for us. Now, on these gluten-free options, uh, the bottom lid reveals the, the wafer. The top lid reveals the juice. Again, I apologize for over explaining that, but I want to save you from a moment of frustration when you're in the dark going, what is going on? This is making me angry. Okay. It's Easter. So don't get angry. Okay. So when you come up, get your communion elements, you can step off to one side. You can sit back down during our communion song. And I encourage you to have a conversation with God. If you're putting your faith in Jesus, walk through that ABC prayer of salvation. Admit that you need him. Tell him that you believe that he's your savior and ask him to come into your life. If you're facing something that's big in your life, determine that with him, you are gonna step towards that thing and beyond that thing with his power. And then again, take communion whenever you're ready during our communion song and you'll take communion at different times during the song. By the end of the song, everyone should have finished communion. Now, as you leave today, I'm gonna encourage you As you walk into our lobby area, I'm gonna encourage you to look down at the floor. Okay, so when you look down at the floor, you're gonna see these little footprints that look like elves have been here last night. 
Okay, so that's not a, an elementary school project that they were doing. We actually put those little stickers on the floor. They're little footprints that help embed the bottom line thought. And the bottom line thought, again, for today is direction determines destination. So as you walk out, allow that to remind you that you can walk out today moving forward towards whatever thing that you're facing, knowing that God is with you every step of the way. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Now, the awesome thing about verse 26 is this. Right now, Jesus is seated beside his heavenly father on his throne. But one day, and I believe one day soon, Jesus is going to stand up and he's going to step forward to call all of his followers home to be with him forever. Anybody excited about stepping towards Jesus on that day? All right, so that's what communion is all about. It's all about the reality that Jesus is coming back. And again, I believe he's coming back one day soon. So we should remember direction determines destination. Let's pray together. Lord, we're all so incredibly grateful for the direction that you, Jesus, traveled in a moment of your life that was unbearable. You knew the crushing that was going to happen for you when you prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You knew you'd be betrayed. You knew you'd be accused of things that you didn't do. You knew the, the torture that you would experience being whipped, being beaten, the crown of thorns pierced in your head. You knew that you would take the sin of the world on your shoulders as an innocent man, as if you'd committed all those sins, big ones and small ones. And you didn't step back in that moment. You stepped forward. And you stepped forward for us because of the joy awaiting you beyond the cross. And that was us where we could have a relationship with you that lasts forever. So Lord, this morning, there just might be some folks at that spot that are making that decision today. Lord, I know that you're eager for them to have a conversation with you. So I pray that they would courageously tell you that they need you. Tell you that they believe in you as their savior and then commit their lives to follow you. Lord, there's others of us that have obstacles between us and the life that we desire to live and the life that you desire for us. And some of those obstacles are uh, fear issues or health issues or faith issues. And yet you've promised to be with us. You've promised to step with us every moment of every day and every obstacle that we face to empower us to overcome those things, even those things that seem like they're going to crush us. You can empower us to be strengthened through those things 
and step beyond those things. And so, Lord, I I pray for those folks in, in that spot that they would not step backwards anymore. Today would be the day that they step forward with you and your strength and your power. Happy Easter, Jesus. Thanks for being our risen Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now free to move from your seats and come up and celebrate communion.